Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, it's Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Damn, Daniel, back at it again with another episode of our podcast. I can't believe that's the first time you've used that. Yeah, I was downstairs in the kitchen right before we came up here to record, and I was like, "What? What? A, the people love a sort of like silly thing that I say at the beginning of the show to introduce it." Um, and I was like, "I miss damn Daniel." Um, not just the phrase, but like the whole situation of it. I guess. Can I tell you, I didn't know that was a thing until the uh, Bachelorette. Really? Yeah, until that actual guy named Daniel brought it to the table. Well, Ram, Rachel, that's uh, that's pretty wild. It sort of took the America by storm, including me. And I, even every night when I said to you right before you went to sleep, I would give you a gentle kiss on the lips, like <laughs> two feathers brushing against your lips. And then okay. <laughs> um, I would say to you, I love you. Good night. Say your prayers and do a sweet dreams and damn Daniel. Every night and you didn't even like bother to Google it. Why I said that to you every night. You know, I guess I never put it together. Anyway, it is a podcast about Damn Daniel, and it's called Wonderful. Um, it's the name doesn't work with the what the show's about, but we talk about like everything. So, like, we did an episode last week if you missed it about like the White Keds and where you could find them, and then we did an interview with Damn Daniel himself and just sort of talked about what like his life has we been. We did like. that uh, that episode on famous Daniels throughout history. Yeah, and the show hasn't taken off yet, but I think that's just because we have the explicit tag on iTunes because we do we do say the D word a, a, a few times. <laughs> We've said it. We said it a few times since we've been doing it. But um, maybe this episode, instead of talking about our our best friend Damn Daniel, we could uh, talk about things that we like. I would like that, especially if you went first. I do go first this week, but I think we should both go first with the hot corner. Small wonders. Whoa! <laughs> I really took it back there to the thing that we only called it that one week. Uh, you got any of those old guys that I like so much? You know, I was trying to think. Of a small wonder all day. Uh-oh. I got nothing. It has stuff out here. <laughs> stuff out here. Maybe it's just because everything that you see, you have so much love for it in your heart that it's like big wonders. Yeah. And so you don't want to burn them there all down. Um, I want to talk about uh, SGDQ, Summer Games Town Quick. It's back. It's better than ever. Every time it happens, Rachel says the same thing, which is... I can't believe it's going on again. I can't believe it's, it just feels like it was last <laughs> I feel like week. Every time it goes on, you talk about it on the show. Yeah, I do. Cause it's great. Uh, <laughs> I have managed to get like way deeper into like the speed running scene than even I was when we, I guess when it last rolled around in Can January. I ask you a question about this actually that I just occurred to me. Yeah. Do the same people come back every year and speed run the same things? Uh, no, they have a different schedule of, of games. You know, new okay. games come out and some games are like better suited for speed runs than others, but sometimes they bring them back. Show open this year with Banjo. Tui, which you're like banjo Tui. they did that one like three years ago and they're already doing banjo Tui again well all the strategies have evolved and changed and they found so many new ways to like burn that game the fuck down that they just brought it back again because it's just a completely different run and that shit i find very fascinating how do they, oh gosh so many questions are coming to mind all of a sudden go uh how do they find these people uh they all are like active members of the speedrunning community it's like a very tight-knit as you can imagine it is like pretty niche but at the same time there's actually a lot of people who are doing it and so each game kind of has its own community but the whole speedrunning scene is is very uh very connected follow-up question yes uh, how do they decide what games they're going to do? Uh, I think they take a look at like what games they did last time because they don't want to repeat it too much. But then there's some staple games. Like later today, they're doing Super Metroid, which is like, you got to do Super Metroid because <laughs> it's like uh, a classic and it's like one of the first games that developed like a serious speedrunning scene. Uh, final question. Yeah. 
Do they ever do like your basic, like your free sell or your mind sweeper? Yeah, they have entire blocks devoted to sort of like weird picks. Uh, they did kind of one of those last night. You know what they ran? Somebody knocked it the fuck out the park in about 10 and a half minutes. You want to guess? Motherfucking cool spot. Oh, really? We got to watch the on-demand footage Where? of the cool spot run. It was like this a th- it was at, get me into it. It was at like 3 a.m. last night, but I would love to watch the cool spot yes. run with you as soon as we're done. Yes, because that is another of the approximately 100% of video games I've played that uh-huh. I never finished. Yeah, well, it's yeah. I have many games like that that I was like, oh, I didn't finish. Oh, and you already finished. You In the span of me starting that sentence, you <laughs> you finished the game. I love SGDQ. They raise money for uh, Doctors Without Borders, and it's really cool. And so go go watch it. Just be careful because I... Man, I just spend parts of the day just watching speedrun videos sometimes if I don't have anything better to do, even when this event's not going on. Sometimes I watch videos about the history of how runners have tackled specific games. I'm pretty deep down the oubliette. I go first this week, though. Yes. And so last time I did, what, Tic Tacs? Yes. And something else. I wanted to do something a little bit bigger. Ooh, okay. Uh, because the Tic Tac was fun, and I do eat them every day. I had probably about, I would say about 40 today. Um, I want to talk about the moon. You know about this? Oh. I think uh, it's the night sun. Yeah, it's like the evil sun. Um, yesterday evening. Oh, what was that fast food chain that had the moon character? It was McDonald's. Yeah, it was Mac Tonight was his name. Yeah, there you go. There's not going to be a mascot for any major fast food franchise that you're going to be able to describe that I will not know how to (laughs) name. And that includes all of, you know, the the BK Kid Squad. I take that back because I can't even remember what the name of the squad was. But um, (laughs) it's weird. I'm talking about the moon maybe a little bit. But last night you had gone to bed. I came up to my office to do some work on Adventure Zone editing. And as I walked up the stairs, the door to Henry's playroom is is open. And in Henry's playroom, there's just this big window uh, looking out into sort of the nature behind our house. And the blinds were pulled up in this window. And just this beautiful just panel of moonlight was shining into the room in this like perfect square of moonlight on the floor. Uh, tomorrow is the full moon. And so like the moon's nice and big and bright right now. Griffin, you didn't wake me up. No, I didn't wake you up for the big... I thought I woke you up last night because I went to turn the air conditioner down in our bedroom. Stepped on one of those palmetto bugs. It was the (laughs) fucking worst. Is that what they're called? Palmetto bugs? I always call them June bugs. No, it was like a big bug, like a water bug type dealy. I smooshed it good. It was so fucking horrible. It was so gross. And you you didn't hear me going like... Anyway, I don't want to talk about the bug I squooshed. I want to talk about the moon because I looked up at it through the through the window in our son's playroom, and I just thought, like, wow, the moon is pretty good. Do you agree? No, I do actually. I really I enjoy the moon. Here's some stuff about the moon. It regulates my monthlies. That's my first thing about the moon, and you just freaking took it. I didn't mean to step on that. It says it comes and it gives my wife her monthlies, and it comes and takes it away too. I guess. I know you're wondering how that works. It's tidal pull. It just sort of yanks and yanks and yanks. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you know how far away the moon is? I I like to give you these little brain teasers from time to time. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna be so. I have no capability i'm not gonna go on with the show until you tell oh, me you how me, my you're making me guess i just want to know like wisdom of the of the crowd style a thousand miles a thousand miles yeah i'm gonna say it's more than that 
1,001 miles. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, it's uh, 238,000 miles away. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty far away. You look up at it and you say, yeah, I mean, Buzz is up there scooting around. And you're like, that, what, that'll take him like a couple days. Cauldron or light year? Yeah. And um, <laughs> we only get to see the one side of the moon because of its synchronous orbit around Earth. That one side with all the you know stuff on it is always facing us. And I, that's kind of a bummer to me because I bet the other side's pretty good, but nobody really gets to well, see if it. If we got huh? to the other side, then we never have that Pink Floyd album. That's true. And then we wouldn't be able to synchronize our viewings of Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 to <laughs> it. Um, I just really like the idea that the Earth, I'm not high, but I like the <laughs> idea that the Earth just has like this little friend up in the sky that's moving in the same way that we are that's very cute and the moon does all kinds of cool stuff for the earth too and it's just like it didn't have to be there you know like a big chunk of whatever ran into earth and then the moon came out i guess and now the moon's there and it's like wow cool moon i was gonna say i actually don't know the history of the moon uh yeah there's a big chunk like a uh, uh not a big chunk it was as I can't guess as to what the thing... I read it briefly on Wikipedia today, but I didn't write that down. <laughs> but something hit the earth, and I guess the moon came out. Maybe. <laughs> um, But here's some cool stuff the moon does. One, we have, like, a light in the evening time. We have, earth has, like, a little night light. Yeah. Um, did you know, though, that the moon is not actually especially bright? There is a, a term called albedo which describes sort of the reflectiveness of a celestial body, like how much light and radiation it can catch and, and reflect back to the observer. And the moon's albedo is like super low, very, very, very low. Um, there are a couple of reasons why it looks bright in the sky, though. The first is uh, this observational phenomenon called opposition surge that I learned about for the first time today, which basically says when there's like a rough surface, like the surface of the moon, uh, and it is illuminated from a light source from behind the observer, uh, there is it, it makes that rough surface look brighter. So like a specific example of this is if there's an astronaut standing on the moon and they have the sun at their back, right? And so there's shadows in front of them and they take a picture of it. All around their shadow will be like this halo of light and that is just a weird phenomenon called opposition surge that has like a few sort of hypothesized explanations for it um and so that is why you know the the sun is behind the earth somewhat and it hits the moon and the moon just kind of looks brighter because of this phenomenon the other reason is just because it is illuminated at all and it is standing in contrast to you know the pitch black horror of space yeah. of infinite space yeah. but really like the moon is about as reflective as like worn asphalt it's not that bright but it's doing its best <laughs> um I, I the moon also causes the tides and the monthlies thank you for i wanted to make sure uh, because of the gravitational pull. I never really thought about it before. The sun also has gravitational pull that affects the tides, but it's only about like 40% strength of what the moon does because the sun sucks and the moon <laughs> rules. I'm sorry, when you become a moon fan, you really have to take a very strong position against the sun. The sun, I want you to know that I'm okay with you. Okay. Um, the, the earth is like pulling everything down and the moon wants to pull everything up and wants to get its grubby little hands all over all of our stuff. The only thing it can really move is the water. 
And that's how we get the tidal pool because it literally lifts the ocean up in a huge mound at actually two opposite points of the earth at a time, uh, which then a bunch of different forces like, you know, wind and uh, actual friction for the ground underneath the ocean uh, creates, you know, waves and tides and stuff like that. I wonder if surfers have some knowledge of the moon and how it impacts the waves. Um, probably, but you've just made a very good point, which is without the moon, we wouldn't have rad surf stuff. We wouldn't Uh have, um, point, point break. No bungas of any kind. No bungas. We wouldn't have, yeah, a lot of the trademark sort of TMNT stuff would be out the window. Um, (laughs) the underground Disney classic meet the Deedles, like that film wouldn't make any fucking sense if they weren't surfers. Uh Um, I don't, you know what I I've ever seen it. Meet the Deedles? Yeah. That's okay. Only me and my brothers have because we rented it while we were on vacation from a blockbuster video once. <laughs> and um, I honestly don't remember anything about it except that I loved it very, very much. I should rewatch that. Maybe I'll bring it on another episode. Um, one last thing the moon does that's very cool that I didn't really appreciate because I hadn't thought about it because I don't know anything. Space is really freaking cool. I love bringing space stuff on this know, show, like you're the a big space like fan. the sandwich astronaut, because it's just really cool. And there's infinite of it, so there's like infinite stuff to talk about. But anyway, um, the moon makes the day longer on Earth um, because of the friction created by tidal pull. It is very slowly uh, slowing the rotation of the Earth, just like microseconds per year uh because of the the pressure that the moon exerts on the earth with tidal pull it slows its rotation just a little bit but those microseconds every year they add up over you know an extremely long period of time so it's estimated that uh four billion years ago the earth spun three to four times as fast as it did today before the tidal friction slowed us down to the 24 hour period we have today i think it's estimated that like four million years from now, if the sun, you know, made it made it that long, kept on kicking, uh, the day would be like a, a, two months long or something wild like that. Uh, I didn't I didn't get that necessarily uh, down down on paper, but that so, idea that yeah. four billion years ago the day was a, so like a quarter dinosaurs were like. Where did the time go? Yeah, if they were around four billion years ago, I don't. I, I, anytime I talk about any history, literally before I was born, I get it very wrong and I get a lot of tweets. Um, but yeah, the Flintstones were there and they were like, get up, bam, bam, oh, bam, bam, go to bed. Um, so I know I talk like, speaking of the Flintstones, kind of a caveman when I'm talking about the moon, but I don't know. I just had a nice little moment last night. I thought of all the nice times that I had like a camping trip or some sort of outdoor nighttime thing. And I looked up at the moon and I just thought like, oh, that's nice. You got the great Fievel song about it. You got, um... Uh, it gave us like an aspirational first step out into space. For sure. Not first step, but like first, you know, stop and visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the moon is very good. I like it when it's like a little sliver. I like it when it's full. Yeah. I like it when it's half. Did you know that when it's a quarter moon, that it's not a quarter as bright as it is when it's a full moon? It's actually like a tenth because of that weird opposition force or what is it opposition surge how would i possibly have known that i know it's just it's wild <laughs> we don't do a lot of moon studies in school yeah you don't really study the moon i imagine they did back in like the early 70s late 60s i feel like elementary school and middle school was like here are the planets and what they're called all right and then on like to the next thing for me it was then like you know 14 years later it was like all right i know what we said about the planets and what they're called but we were changing it arbitrarily you were super betrayed by the whole i Pluto really thing. was because i don't know what the new fucking mnemonic device is my very energetic mother just made us 
noodles? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. That works just as well. But there's nine of us, and we need nine pizzas. Whew. These noodles aren't going to feed my all my friends. You're just so feisty. What's your first thing? Uh, my first thing is an artist that I just discovered today. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, her name is Mitski. Mitski. Yeah. She is a 27-year-old Japanese-American singer-songwriter uh, that started uh, singing and recording while she was studying at the SUNY Purchase Conservatory of Music. She started releasing albums in 2012 and has a new one coming out in August called Be the Cowboy. This is one of your new music jams that you bring to the show sometimes. I yes. like to go with like classic stuff, but you are on the fucking bleeding edge. So what I do, um, our very dear friend Evan Minsker works for a website you may have heard of called Pitchfork, uh, which I go to every once in a while to see what the uh, best new tracks are. And best new albums, and this track, Nobody, was listed today. Let's play a little bit of Mitski's Nobody right now. with you yeah this spooked me out this song kind of spooked me out a little bit when you sent it so here's the deal yeah i feel like it was kind of dreamy and poppy and it reminded me a little of the bird and the bee yeah oh the bird and the bee is so good Mm -hmm. and it does remind me of that a little bit maybe i'm conflating it with the music video because the music video has a lot of sort of like hauzu style imagery of like arms and faces coming out of the walls and like being all music video is very good um but yeah it creeped me out it's a good jam it just like made me feel uneasy which i guess is good music can be evocative like that yeah she's she's kind of been all over the place too so after i heard that song which i love very much i started going through her catalog uh and she had an album that came out before that in uh 2016 called puberty two which i kind of love as the title <laughs> That's a of an very album. good title for anything uh and that's a lot more like rock and roll Huh. Um, so she studied composition in college, uh, and her past records lean more towards piano driven singer songwriter kind of music. Uh, she said in this interview in Rolling Stone, uh, that she cites the international folk music her dad would play and the Japanese pop her mom would sing to herself as inspirations. But she also draws influence from MIA, Mika, Bjork, and J-pop singer Sheena Ringo. Okay. Uh, Those sound like very good inspirations to yeah. pull from. Uh, and then she just kind of recently picked up guitar uh, to just kind of add to her her ability. Uh, but the song I wanted to play from Puberty 2 is Your Best American Girl, which I like because it's, uh, it's also a very good song. And it's almost totally different from Nobody. It's uh, It gives me kind of a rock and roll Weezer Blue Album vibe. All right, well, here it comes, right into your cans, your earphones, I mean. It's your best American girl here on Wonderful Radio, (laughs) W-W-O-N.
so at around a minute 25 in that song, it just really, really hits the groove. Yeah. Super exciting. Uh, and the lyrics are super good, too. How they go? Uh, so here's how Your Best American Girl starts. It's, uh, if I could, I'd be your little spoon and kiss your fingers forevermore. But Big Spoon, you have so much to do, and I have nothing ahead of me. Uh, and then the chorus is, your mother wouldn't approve of how my mother raised me, but I do. I think I do. And you're an all-American boy. I guess I couldn't help trying to be your best American girl. So it's just, it's like super, she she does a lot of, of writing about being kind of the other, being kind of an outsider, which sure. you know I always love. Uh, but I love, I love the lyrics to that song, especially. I just, it, just this feeling of like being in love with somebody that you, you kind of see as the like all American, like, you know, aspirational, all this country can be. And then feeling like you couldn't possibly be that. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, so I was super excited about her, her single, Nobody. Uh, and again, that new album, Be the Cowboys comes out in August 2018. I love when you bring new music to this show, especially when it's like a new artist that you haven't heard before, because it's just like, it's always so exciting to have like a new musical artist that you're into. When I, when I like listen to a couple songs and then you start going through the back catalog and that's really good too. Yeah. It's just like, oh my gosh, there's this whole world out there and now I can like really dig in. Yeah, sure. You know, it's like when you, when you find a new author or a new, uh, podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> I just got into this guy. His name is... I can't think of a podcaster other than Mark Marin. sometimes. And that's not good. Because there's lots of them. And also, I do it and know a lot of them. Chuck Bryant. Chuck Bryant. I'm very into his flavor right now. Uh, you know what else I'm into? What? You know what I'm into? <laughs> I don't know why it came out like that, but I'm into stealing you away. Hey, I'm going to steal you away. Can I steal you away, though? <laughs> Boop beep beep boop boop beep beep boop boop We're losing her. Beep beep boop boop No Clear get out of there that's my wife Boop Boop We gotta get her a new butt Wait what? She's been on the transplant list for too long. She needs a new butt Take my butt Please. <laughs> this is a real journey we went on there. Yeah, there were like three or four skits in there. <laughs> Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 
to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain hey griffin do you want to hear some jumbo trance yeah from our pal Mario. Hey, I would love nothing more. We would have to issue refunds to both people, but I would love nothing more than to hear you do Mario doing the jumbo <laughs> This message is for Nick. It's from Beth. This sort of sit just goes up at the end of everything. It's kind of like a Seinfeld Mario. Combo. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> What's the deal with Goombas? <laughs> Bowser. Like he says, Newman. <laughs> Newman is kind of the Bowser of Seifeld, if you think about it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Write a thesis on that. Yeah, so I guess George would be Luigi. Uh, would Elaine be Peach? That feels no, obvious. No, that feels reductive. Maybe Daisy, because Daisy was more like sort of, you know, in, in charge. She was the mayor of New Donk City. Mm-hmm. Who's Toad? <laughs> Kramer? Kramer's Yoshi. Oh, oh, okay. Toad could just still be Toad. Okay. I'd watch that. The new Super Smash Brothers is really weird. This message is for Nick. It is from Beth. Happy birthday, probably, to the best dude. Hopefully you like my cat since they're living here by now. You're the best and I love you a lot. A lot of ifs in this message. Well, it was for March. I hope so. you, I really hope you like those cats then. Because <laughs> you've been with them for three months now, and I just hope everything's going okay with the cats. And, uh, you know, they're not having sort of a dander-filled birthday. Or had one, because it was a quarter of the year ago. Uh, this message was also for March. Uh-oh. Let's take a trip back in time. Let's think March. So we moved into our house. Yeah, that was... I had a birthday. You had a birthday, yeah. This message is for Jenny and Brian. It is from Becca. Dear Jenny and Brian, I think you are the most wonderful people I know, and I am so grateful for your friendship. Congrats on one year of marriage and the new apartment. I think you guys are the coolest couple other than Griffin and Rachel. Hell yeah. Can't wait for our chill hangs. Love, Becca. Recognize the game, though. I mean, I don't, you don't need to include stuff like that in your messages of like, you're the best. I mean, second best behind the host of whatever <laughs> podcast you're listening to. Yeah, I mean, they have precious characters to choose from. So I sure. 
would not expect that. that and I also just want to—I also want to just up the congratulation. You said a year of marriage. I'm going to say a year and change. That three months is important. Again, it is one entire fiscal quarter of a year. Sometimes every month can yeah. feel like an eternity. Why? <laughs> just teasing you. Well, Adam, we're still putting out the Greatest Discovery podcast while we wait for season two. What are we doing with these episodes? We've uh, talked to a whole bunch of interesting people like the Wall Street Journal's Ben Fritz and MaximumFun.org's own Danielle Radford. We're kind of using this time to find ways to entertain ourselves and you while we wait for the next season. So catch yourself up with Star Trek Discovery and join us Tuesday on the Greatest Discovery it's on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, can I tell you about my second thing? Yes. I got a song. Oh, good. In my heart. Down, down in my heart. Uh, it is a song called When I Was Done Dying by Dan Deacon, uh, who I shamefully did not know very well and probably had the strangest way of introduction to uh, Imaginable, which is we went to Max FunCon East in, what, 2016? Were you pregnant then, or was it 2015? Oh, I was pregnant. Yeah, so it was 2016. Uh, and Dan Deacon was a guest there where he did a DJ set for, like, the party night of Max FunCon. If you've never been to Max FunCon, one night is always the dance party night, and this one had Dan Deacon DJing, which made it one of the better party it nights of my entire life. Holy fucking shit, the dude ripped it. Right. He up. played some Little Mermaid jams and everybody felt so seen in that moment. Yeah. There was like a projector sort of shooting some, some cool visuals all over the room. Um, and it was, it was seriously the best. And I instantly recognized like this guy knows jams. And so I started listening to him. Uh, I picked up his 2015 album, Gliss Riffer, which is a fucking great name for an album. A lot of good album names this episode. Uh, and I was just sort of enamored right away that the album is fucking great. There's, there's a lot of great tracks on it, like feel the lightning and learning to relax. A lot of the songs are genuinely this, the slap in terms of like, they are upbeat sort of danceable jams, even though the lyrics you probably wouldn't assume are the lyrics to dance jams necessarily. But my favorite song off this album is when I was done dying, uh, which is just this psychedelic jam full of all of these, all of this like existential imagery and stream of consciousness writing, which I'm learning doing this podcast. I very much enjoy apparently in my music. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of it right here so you can get a feel for what the song is like. This is when I was done dying by Dan Deacon. So like the song itself, the music is so, is really interesting. There's this mix of like acoustic and electronic uh, elements to it. There's this nonstop marimba riff happening uh, under this like really crunchy guitar riff under this like really shrill gated synth that comes and goes with like each couplet of each verse. 
Um, there is this chorus of voices that are singing at different pitches, just singing along with, with Dan Deacon's vocals, uh, and this like really simple acoustic drum loop happening underneath it. Like even without all of the lyrics, like it is just a really neat, neatly composed song. Um, but the lyrics are what makes this song really powerful to me. They're, they're super evocative, albeit without being like, uh, an explicitly clear message about what the song is actually about. Uh, there is imagery about like sort of transcendentalism and spiritual reincarnation and like these cosmic cycles of, of life. Um, some people have sort of posited that maybe it's just sort of a description of like a very vivid drug trip, which is, you know, maybe valid also. Um, but the lyrics are just like, sung in this nonstop breathless way and are full of just these really wild like hypnotic images my favorite verse of the song goes uh it, it's sort of describing all of describing all of these things that uh he experiences if you're to believe the title of the song when he's done dying and so this this section goes uh and the earth looked at me and said wasn't that fun and i replied i'm sorry if i hurt anyone and without even thinking cast me into space but before she did that she wiped off my own face she said better luck next time don't worry so much without ears i couldn't hear i could just feel the touch as i fell asleep softly at the edge of a cave but i should have gone deeper but i'm not so brave I really, really love that That's section beautiful. of the song because like it explores this anxiety about life, about worrying like whether or not you are being a good enough person, whether or not you're making the most out of your life. And anytime there's sort of any imagery of this cosmic force, you know, trying to reassure you in, in this song, the earth telling you wasn't that fun after you die and saying next time, don't worry so much is like so, so, so beautiful to me. Um, and I, I think it tells a lot about Dan Deacon also. He had an interview with Baltimore Magazine. He lives in, in, uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, and he described this song as the most representative, uh, of me, uh, lyrically on the album Gliss Riffer. And he said that, uh, speaking about Gliss Riffer, that it was like a very, very personal work. He says, uh, and this is a quote, it's me exposing myself, figuring out the root of my anxieties and who or what the hell is going on inside of my own brain, which is very very relatable and very very yeah. good to me and the idea of exploring your anxieties through this like existential artistic lens and then creating a song that is like this evocative and and beautiful is genuinely like super inspiring to me yeah. um and on top of that i just i think it's such a pop it is so good it's very very good in the video the video holy shit I hadn't seen it before today, but I had to send like Rachel this song so she could listen to it. And so I said, like looked it up and found a YouTube link and sent it to her. It's from uh, an adult swim series called off the air, which is sort of this just wild animation series uh, that's on adult swim. And so uh, a few animators got together and did a, a music video for it that go look that shit up. It is fucking amazing. It yeah. is so good. You want to talk about your second thing now? Yeah. So my second thing is a article from time.com. I'm so sorry. It's called the science behind happy relationships. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything in there about taking large slurps of your soda (laughs) while you're recording a podcast or is that like the first thing it says? You're not going to believe this, but laughing like that, as I did, it actually made my throat kind of scratchy again. And I want to take another gulp of soda, but I'm just going to kind of sit here and just try not to cough instead. No, I want to support you. Oh, good. I'm ready now. Okay. 
so there has been a lot of research on the qualities that create a lasting, happy relationship for couples. Sure. And this article kind of summarizes some of those studies, and I found it very interesting. Can I guess some of them? Uh, yes. Sex power. Uh, no. Uh, both of you like the, um, like Frasier. That's number one. Or both of you hate Frasier, but you can't do one on one. <laughs> cool, clo- cool clothes. You know, it's not Frasier, but it is Cheers. So Damn you were it. close. You had Kelsey Grammer. He was Frasier on that show, so I think I still got it right, mm-hmm. technically. I meant the character Frasier, not the show Frasier. Of course. Duh. Of course. That's all three that I can think of. Okay. Do you want to know? There are actually three. Oh. Uh, empathy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. Uh, positivity. Sure. If the third one's not sex power, throw this article away. Strong emotional connection. Uh, so that's kind of like sex, sex powers power. and emotion. Although I'm not sure exactly that I know what you mean by sex power. So if you wanted to elaborate on that. It's just the aura, you know? The aura of somebody's sex power? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the aura that happens during. Oh, this is good. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, you're asking, is it just sort of an aura somebody gives off where you know that they have very much sex power? Exactly. Or is it, is it a more of a noun that's just like you're having sex and then like things around the move start, things around the room start moving or catching on fire because of the power coming out of your body? And the answer to that's both. Both. Mm-hmm. No, that's what the article says. <laughs> Nothing about cool clothes, though. Hmm. Uh, okay, so this is uh, research that I saw uh, from the Gottman Institute, which is an organization dedicated to the research of marriage. Uh, they say that emotional disengagement can happen when couples are not doing things that create positivity. So one piece of advice they give is compliment your partner every day. It validates them and helps them feel good about themselves and it reminds you why you chose that person in the first place. I love your big muscles. I feel validated by that. And, and we're still in it, folks. Still and, going on strong. And I love... Your eyebrows. I think I got them uh, trimmed up. Got them all trimmed up at the barber shop. They look awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I love your eyebrows. Who? Uh, I mean, I, I don't wish, love. I hate your eyebrows. What did I, I do wish wrong? I could love my eyebrows like you love my eyebrows. Okay. They don't love your eyebrows like I love their eyebrows. <laughs> Uh, so when it comes to the brain and love, uh, biological anthropologist and Kinsey Institute senior fellow Helen Fisher has found after putting people in a brain scanner, which is, sounds like an oversimplification of probably what that what is. the device is actually called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to want to lay you down, put you in the brain scanner. Like, what are you talking Looks about? It's like you're 1799. We're going to put you in the blood swapper. Do you mean a dialysis machine? Call it a dialysis machine. So the brain scanner, um, 
confirms that there are three essential neurochemical components in people who report high relationship satisfaction. And those are the ones I mentioned, the practice of empathy, the control of one's feelings and stress and maintaining positive views about their partner. Interesting. In happy relationships, partners empathize with each other and understands each other's perspective instead of constantly trying to be right. Keeping positive views of your partner uh, which Fisher calls positive illusions Yikes. <laughs> are all about reducing the amount of time you spend dwelling on negative aspects of your relationship. No partner is perfect and the brain is well built to remember the nasty things that were said, said Fisher. But if you can overlook those things and just focus on what's important, it's good for the body, good for the mind and good for the relationship. It always freaks me out a little bit when we start talking about love science. I don't know if you get like that too. But when it's like, I'm going to put you in the brain scanner and see which parts of your brain start wiggling around when I show you a picture of your lover. Like, I don't like that. Are you worried that, like, science doesn't confirm my words to you? No, because I think it definitely would. It's just, like, I I don't like the idea of not thinking about it like some sort of some sort of magic, if that doesn't make me sound like too big of a child. See, I am coming at it from the other angle. Okay. That a good relationship isn't this abstract, nebulous thing. That there are like three common traits that anybody could put into their relationship and have a good one. Sure. And I feel like that's good. But you can't necessarily put it into a relationship, right? Like You can practice it. You can practice it for sure, but it's. I, I think that isn't it easier to like have have a person who has these three things with you than oh, trying to like course. necessarily inject it of into Of course, it. but if your relationship is is, you know, diminishing sure. or if you're feeling less positive about it, there are three real things you can do to make it better. Yeah, for sure. Which I like. Yeah. Uh and and it's something that I've noticed like when when I saw these these three things about, you know, empathy, positivity and strong emotional connection, it kind of helped me kind of highlight which components were missing from my previous relationships and kind of you scared the living ever living fucking (laughs) motherfucking fucking shit out of me and i shit my pants and almost died are you kidding me (laughs) doing a sentence like that on a podcast i almost shit my fucking butt off are you kidding me help me realize something this is our last episode of one are you kidding me i'm sorry Jesus Christ. <laughs> Help me realize what was missing from my previous relationship. Okay, but you understand that you sent shockwaves throughout the whole community. Like, people were writing Facebook posts like, what the fuck? Oh. Why would I bring you to this podcast? I don't know. Last week, you brought our sexual relationship, our sexual congress into the thing. And I thought, like, maybe Rachel's doing a bold new experimental style of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Griffin, I'm taking this opportunity. Yeah, wowzers. No, I was going to say that it makes me realize why ours works so well. Okay, good. Because we are very empathetic with each other, mm-hmm. and we do compliment each other often. Yeah. Sex power is And, off and the we charts. focus on the positive. Yeah. They can't even quantify our sex power. Uh, the sex power. Blew up a whole bedroom yesterday. Oh, jeez. I know a wave of supersonic force shot out of my body. Like well, I you was... don't have to tell the listeners. They probably felt it. Well, no. Apparently, that's what we do on this show is talk about my supersonic sex energy, like Blanca from Street Fighter, just shooting out of my body, electricity, tearing off the wallpaper. So I don't know who Blanca is. That's okay. He's a big green monster from Street Fighter. He's cool. He does that attack where he crosses down and shoots electricity out of his body and like, you know, Ihana tries to punch him, but he gets a big shock. You're with your sex power, you're more like a sheet fighter.
It's pretty good, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk about submissions? Yes. Uh, thank you to submissions for giving us a way out. Uh, Tristan says, I think it's wonderful when you add half and half to iced coffee and it swirls around in billows. The contrasting colors and densities make a brief but dramatic and delicious show. The flavor of this beverage is very good. And I do like, like fluid dynamics. It's very interesting to me. Is that like part of the thrill of, of creamer for you? No, creamer is in purely utilitarian for me, but like when you shoot dye into water, mm. um, I watched a YouTube video on like the weird science YouTube, <laughs> which is like literally all that gets recommended to me on YouTube. Yeah. Of these, uh, <laughs> two guys trying to recreate this old science experiment that was only created in like the early seventies when like video camera equipment was bullshit of shooting two kind of vortexes of dye into each other side by side in one aquatic tank. Cause when they hit each other just perfectly and they're spinning at the exact same speed, they like explode and create like a dozen other vortexes all around it nobody could understand how that works because the camera was so low quality but now it's 2018 we have dope ass cameras so they worked and worked and worked to try to like rebuild this machine they had no schematics for and ended up making it and it's so fucking beautiful watching this die like collide in water i learned a lot about fluid dynamics from that video i don't know what's happening to me (laughs) yeah we were talking about half and half but it's fluid dynamics. I mean, you're talking about some some cream hitting some some cold brew and stirring it up. I may have hit up the Einstein Bagels Bros on my way to pick up Henry from daycare the other day. Got myself a little little iced coffee on the way and stirred oh, it up. And I was nice. like, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, Chelsea says, I think it's wonderful when a grocery cart exchange happens between strangers entering and leaving the store. The smile and eye contact and moment of connection always makes me happy. I don't get this next part. Bonus points if it's somewhere like Aldi and you trade your quarter for their cart. Oh, yeah, do you not know about this? No. In order to get a shopping cart, you have to insert a quarter. What? It's like a super discount grocery store, and they keep the prices very low through a variety of ways, and I think one of them is that. That's a quarter? Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like very much money to like then get discounted goods from the whole store. Well, I'm sure that is not their only cost-cutting measure. Yeah, I guess I just not. I know that I have a lot of friends in St. Louis that, that – Swear by the Aldi. How dope would it be if there's a grocery store where you paid like $150 up front and for that you got a cart and then everything in the store was free. You just got one cart full of it and they leveled it off. They had like a big like <laughs> scraper and they would run it over the top of the cart and it would have to clear the top of the cart. No like cheatsies. Like, oh, it's like those pie. like thrift stores that where you bring in or you use like a bag. And yes. You fill it. Yes. Except that this time it's fucking supermarket sweep because also you only have a minute and a half. You just get a hundred turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> but can we talk about the strategy of supermarket sweep? Because it was always get a hundred turkeys, <laughs> run to the turkey, get the turkeys, get the giant Mr. Mrs. Butterworths, and now you've won. I heard that this show is on Amazon Prime. I yes. would very much like to watch we it. We gotta watch it. One last thing, and this one is uh strange for our show. We don't normally pick reference self-referential things, but Kian informed me there is a website called wonderful.fyi that will let you know who's up first on each episode of our show based on who went first last week. You can also search through all the wonderful things you've previously shared on the podcast. This Somebody is, must have gotten so tired of us talking about I mean, we spend a lot of time. This website is very, very good. I'm going to show it to you now. Okay. You can check it out at wonderful.fyi. <laughs> 
Oh, that's beautiful. It's a really good website. It's got all of our topics arranged oh my like gosh, a like I a love chat. that and the artwork from Louis Zong. Yeah. Louis Zong who put out a jam collabo with uh Brian David Gilbert, which was Wasn't the collabo so of the fucking century oh my today. Gosh. Go check that out. Um but that is it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh had a lot of fun with this episode and I hope you did too, Rachel and our friends at home. Um, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use for our th- theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Um, what else do you want to talk about here? You know, this episode has really made me realize what I'm missing mm. uh, from... Oh, stop! <laughs> stop it! Uh, thank you to Maximum Fun for hosting our podcast and any number of other great podcasts. Podcasts like... Podcasts like, I mean, The Greatest uh, Discovery, um, podcasts like... Friendly Fire. Oh, Friendly Fire, The Beef and Dairy Network, One Bad Mother... There's a lot of good podcasts on the There's Max Fun Network. a lot of good podcasts. Uh, if you want to hear other stuff that our family does or see any of the videos we made, it's all at McElroyShows.com. I think that's it, huh? Yes. Well, then this is probably a good a time as any to talk about something that has uh, been missed, that was missing, <laughs> something that like I feel like so sad and empty about that's missing from speaking about like romance stuff and like relationships uh-huh. stuff yeah. Yeah. and so there's something that's missing i that i am angry <laughs> i can't even do it myself it's not fair bye MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hi, I'm Biff. And I'm Teresa. And we host One Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. Whether you are a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. Turns out it isn't what we thought it would be. For example, stickers on car windows? It's no longer about what type of monster would let that happen, and more like realizing you are that monster. So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Download One Bad Mother on MaximumFun.org or Apple Podcasts. And yes, there will be swears.